I'm Crew, and I've been riding with the ghost. I'm Vincent, and I'm stunned it's not raining. We cover music at the Daily Californian. And this is a music podcast. It's 2021. This past year has been life-changing for many, to say the least. Today, we want to talk about the anthems of our time. Not like the national anthem, but symbols of the culture. We want to talk about songs or albums that feel like temporal markers, music that truly represents the zeitgeist. And not just broadly either, but personally too. What kind of anthems do you think we're going to be able to cover today? Well, I think that depends on your definition of an anthem. To me, when I think of anthems, that's music that feels really important to me that feels kind of all-encompassing uh, in terms of like how the state that I'm in, the general state, more than just like, oh, I'm feeling a certain way, I want to put on a certain song, like, you know, all those sad song playlists or feel-good playlists or uh, gym playlists or running play, you know what I mean? I mean, how how I'm feeling now, kind of. Yes, the state that I'm in. I, I was actually listening to that song. Do you know that song by Bell and Sebastian? Uh, no. I, I think you'd love it. Check it out. But, I mean, the the fact that we're talking about, like, you know, modern uh, music, modern anthems. Yeah. Uh, the, I, I think, actually, uh, How I'm Feeling Now, the Charlie XCX album that was mm. released during quarantine, mm-hmm. sort of at the beginning of quarantine, I think it was a good uh, precursor of those sort of quarantine anthems, that, uh, that music to come that was meant, I really like that you said, uh, all-encompassing, because I think mm-hmm. it, uh, an anthem is supposed to address more than one facet of how, you know, a person or the culture is feeling in any given moment. It's supposed to capture everything, and I think that uh, a good anthem is able to do that. Yeah, we don't we don't want no Star-Spangled Banner right now, and <laughs> there's more to anthems than that. Um, according to Dictionary.com, actually, um, oh boy, the second definition, just because I don't think an anthem has to be a song of or hymn of praise or gladness, um, but the second definition is a usually rousing popular song that typifies or typifies typifies or is identified with a particular subculture movement. Or point of view, and I think literally Charlie XCX's um, the title of that album. How or is it an EP? How I'm feeling uh, now. That's that that's that's what an anthem is in a in a broad sense. But it's also not just how uh, any one person is feeling now. I think a good anthem is the kind of thing that uh, everyone can relate to on some level, or at least mm-hmm. that a broad portion of the population can relate to. Something that uh, is representative. For a lot of people and kind of captures like i said before that zeitgeist because i think that's a really fun word to mm-hmm, say. Mm-hmm. and you know there's there's so much mu- mu- so much music out there and so many people are listening to so many different things but this is true you know there there are those there are those songs that everyone kind of knows and that can put people all in the same space um and i think those are the songs that really emerge as as the anthems of our time if you will you know, um, I know there's a long list of songs that I could just start going off on that will probably click immediately in your memory, too, that <laughs> would just be, be the anthems of our youth um, and youth till now, youth and young manhood, if you will. Yeah, 
we're, we're not as young as we once were. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, that was a Kings of Leon reference, if you as well. Oh, man. Wouldn't... Come on. Yeah. <laughs> um, I actually have a, I have a story about uh, such anthems, if you uh, are interested in hearing. I'd love to hear it, Vincent. All righty. I see anthems like signposts, markers of direction, place, and purpose. The anthems in my life reflect where I was and who I was at the time. There are the anthems of your youth, like some of the songs played at all the dances in grade school. I can thank people like Tayo Cruz and LMFAO for making me feel invincible as a young prepubescent boy. When someone asks me how to sum up my middle school experiences, they can sometimes be described with a single song, Dynamite. When I got older and learned how to drive, anthems of youth and unity found their way into my life in the form of LCD sound system and the Smith Westerns, barreling down the 101 on a Saturday with songs like Weekend and All My Friends blasting through my speakers with literally all my closest friends in the car. Or family trips soundtracked by the Beatles, the Carpenters, Air Supply, and the Bee Gees singing along to Close to You and All You Need Is Love, no matter how tired we were, no matter how long we'd been driving for, no matter where we were going. Then there are those anthems for love that everyone has, some that are universal, and some that feel like they were made just for you. From Chateau Lobby Number 4 in C to Tugboat to Temptation, I've got more than a few that I can go back to whenever my heart is full of yearning. And there are the anthems that help you find yourself and where you ought to be. I found these personal anthems for myself at 16, taking hikes up trails I vaguely knew when I was little, finding my own spots to sit, watching the sunset on my quiet suburb and contemplating. Songs like Modest Mouse's The World at Large or Fleet Fox's Quiet Houses and Helplessness Blues tucked me away from the rest of the world on a weekly basis as night fell and my dinners got cold. I went to a music festival once, mainly so I could hear Broken Social Scene play their masterpiece, You Forgot It in People, in its entirety. There's a song on that album, Anthems for a 17-Year-Old Girl, that amazes me to this very day. Used to be one of the rotten ones, and I liked you for that. The song goes. Then cycling through memories of parked cars, white teeth, and bad language. The band is a lot older now, and so are a lot of their fans. But in that crowd, I could feel every person transported back to that feeling, to that time. I don't fully understand how we choose our anthems, how songs some of them at least, reach out to us, how in the moment they can represent absolutely everything. A little over a year ago today, I found myself shuffling out of the dorms in Unit 2, luggages and boxes of my belongings surrounding me as I exited the elevator of Cunningham for the last time. Like everyone else, I was fearful. I was frustrated. I knew I was going to long for a time that I would never be able to get back. That car ride home from Berkeley back to Southern California was full of anthems to hold me through till next year. 
Ice Age's Lockdown Blues framed the pandemic as a doomsday that came upon us. Frank Ocean's Dear April offered me an outlet for wistful longing as I took in the scenery. The category of quarantine and pandemic-related songs exists now. That's a crazy thing to me. While I was back home, I made the effort to continue the tradition of walking around my neighborhood in the evenings, now with a mask on. I made the same weekly hike up to the water tower in the hills above my home and found a more complete range of my emotions regarding the way life was in the 1975s Love It If We Made It. Now there's a song that so aptly captures the anxieties of the problems of the modern world at large, of my world at large. I don't know what the future holds. The anthems of my life have begun to reflect those uncertainties too. When Maddie Healy screams the song's chorus skyward, it resonates within me. I'd love it if we made it too. Tayo Cruz, tell him how you feel. Yeah, like dynamite. Like it's dynamite, I suppose. Yeah. Well, actually, that was really that was really something. I really liked listening to you uh, kind of list through your your various anthems, and I, I get the sense that that's kind of just scratching the surface. Oh, abs- absolutely. I I feel like you can you can pinpoint the use the anthems the songs that were your anthems, you know throughout your life and you can use them to pinpoint like a roadmap of like where you were and where you're going and i think it's really interesting that um like i end like i ended things off on um the direction of the music that i'm listening to uh and the music that's giving me the most comfort right now really signals that i have absolutely no clue where we're going um and i have no clue where the world at large is going i don't think anyone really does right now I mean, absolutely. I mean, there's so much like uncertainty around the pandemic. I think just the other week was the first time I looked up when will COVID end because I was just in a really bad place. Just oh my goodness, the funk I, of it that was is, getting me down. Oh, that is that is probably a very commonly searched Google question right now. When will COVID end? Well, yeah, sad emotional crew who was really downtrodden typed it in to google uh and then the other crew the fucking <laughs> analytical piece of shit uh yes was like well i guess i'll see google trends and uh look at look at how much this has been searched up in the past couple months people had waves of impatience it looked like but mm-hmm. it's been just consistent consistently a question that people have had on their minds yeah i've been trying so hard to um not impulsively check on you know the vaccine distribution rates and how everything is going <laughs> just i it, it, i feel like i'm happier not knowing right now it's like i just don't want to be i, I don't like want that yeah the bad news if the potentially bad check, news checking would make me hopeless yeah exactly i think somebody told me i'm not i this is obviously not confirmed or anything that it could be up to four years before everyone's <laughs> vaccinated and i i don't know how i feel about that you know <laughs> I, I do not know. It's 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 so tough right now. So when when you when you get into those slumps, you know, and I'm sure there have been plenty of those recently. What do you what do you turn to? Uh, well, actually, it's funny that you mention that because I I do uh I do 
kind of tend to turn to, at least throughout the pandemic, I've been turning to the same album. Okay. Which is also the album that I did my story on. <laughs> I'd, I'd love to hear about it. I'm excited. All right. Two thousand nineteen was an abysmal year for me. Romantically, existentially, academically, creatively, I was really going through it. I desperately wanted a reset, something that could strike a new tone and get me out of my funk. I borrowed my dad's camper van and drove it to Seattle looking for answers. I remember Thursday, January sixteenth, twenty twenty. I had spent the day wandering around the city. I'd only stared up at the Space Needle because I didn't want to shell out the thirty some odd bucks it cost to get to the top. My bank account was running thin as it was, and I needed gas money to get back home. I know I walked near Pike Place at some point, but I didn't even go in. I wasn't interested in the visual landmarks of Seattle. I wanted to get a sense for the city and figure out if it would be a good place to settle down after college. The Seattle freeze, though, really got to me. I barely talked to any strangers except for a pair of old ladies on Bainbridge Island. Little did I know that the loneliness that permeated through my January would become a default way of life only a few months later. My walks were solitary and slow. I spent a lot of time observing, but not a lot of time doing anything. I felt stuck, like Seattle wasn't helping me get out of the rut that I had found myself in. In my search to understand the city and myself through its lens, I took a somber late night trip to a dive bar on my street. I ordered a rum and coke, sat at a table by the window, and just sort of felt sorry for myself. Fortunately, folk punk favorites AJJ had a new album out that night, so it wasn't all bad. I popped my headphones in and listened to the music as I watched regulars laugh and joke with each other. It was just a dude sitting in the corner, drinking what was basically soda with his headphones in. And the album got me. It understood what I was going through in a way that felt prescient and timely. It reached the emotional futility that I felt not only towards my situation, but towards the world at large. The nihilistic dread of no justice, no peace, no hope was exactly how I felt personally and politically. The gloom of the album reflected how I felt about the world at the time. As the year slogged onward, the record only continued to resonate with me. On a big day for Grimley, Sean Bonnet sings, and you can bet there's going to be a bunch of bullshit too out in Sweet 2020. And that just worked perfectly. The album felt like it had come at just the right time. My frustrations, which I had suppressed for so long, finally began to ring with catharsis. But the album wasn't just about me, it was a reality check. I'd spent years complaining about those who complained, preaching that talking itself wasn't enough, and feeling that all anyone ever did was talk about how a situation was bad without wanting to change it. Good luck everybody shifted my view on that. It felt like solidarity for solidarity's sake. Mega Guillotine 2020 reflected my frustration with bipartisan electoral politics and the futility I saw in it, but it didn't discount the importance of taking action to stop plainly horrible things from happening. And I hate being the first one to bring up politics because frankly, I wasn't the last administration's target. I'm terrible with the way I conduct myself around political conversation, and I never want to be the central voice of the dominating tone. But good luck everybody was instructional in its plain language and personal stories, and it knocked me out of the do-nothing, mope-about attitude I'd come to adopt. It's an album that inspires. Culturally, its significance is almost nil. Despite my personal adoration for it, the uh, album is pretty unrecognized. But I don't think that's what makes a landmark album. My thoughts about good luck everybody are a lot like my thoughts about last year. 
They're addled and inconsistent, but they're prognostic and reflective, even if they're not conclusive yet. They're so situated in the time they took place. They're such markers of the year that was. Honestly, I'm shocked that this album was released in January. Throughout 2020, it felt constantly relevant, while also acknowledging that the number of the calendar year had pretty much nothing to do with the way things were. It felt prophetic, like a teaser for what the year to come would look like. To me, that's what makes a landmark album. It shaped my year, and I wonder how listening to it will feel in the future. That's the kind of thing I want to talk about. What shapes an individual, and what kind of music shapes millions? Wow. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm thinking a lot, I'm thinking a lot about, um, that, the question, the two, you know, how, how anthems shape the self and then how, how they also shape the millions and billions of people. I also like that you, uh, used some very, you have some very wordy words like prescient and other words that are just absolutely not in my vocabulary. But um, and we also you also yeah, mentioned uh, the world at large, which um, j- that was just like you know. Yeah, don't talk to this is the modest mouse cast, and if we even talk about it for two seconds, it I won't shut up about it. Yeah, uh, that, that, that album's too big for me to yeah discuss. I I pull I pulled up the lyrics as you as you mentioned it and i was just like ice age heat wave can't complain if the world's at large why should i remain yeah and just, oh it's oh. so good yeah that that song's been coming um on my rotation a lot lately too just wow i need to check out this ajj album and particularly particularly relevant to this sort of personal story because i'm talking about uh you know driving away and leaving mm-hmm. to to feel new again which is very much what that song's about, and I I think that's one of the things that can make something anthemic, and trumpets trumpets can make something anthemic. Yes, yes, of course, like uh, in a genre sense. And neutral milk hotel, much you know, uh, <laughs> <laughs> in the aeroplane over the sea, that could be a love anthem, kind of. You know, in a in a yeah, I, that's a love song. That's a love song. Yeah, yeah. There we go. Yeah, no, that that's a conversation for another time. But I, I like I I keep forgetting that that is an album about love and death and all those things. I just like I hesitate to call it a love song because it's about Anne Frank, you know. Yeah. No, I mean I'm with you on that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, just speaking, I feel like uh, AJJ does remind me a lot of Neutral Milk Hotel, mostly because the lead singer is mm-hmm. not very. Uh, you know, musically talented vocally. Sure, sure. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that. I don't know. That's something that's always brought out sincerity to me in music, and that stuff, right, kind of makes it more personal. Uh, a voice that could sing like you and me, uh, as Don McLean would say in his hit right. song "American Pie," which, wow, what mm. a transition! I would argue is. Uh, <laughs> A particularly fantastic example of an anthem. Great song, Bad Movies. Great song. <laughs> I've actually never seen any American Pie movie. No. Well, I mean, let's just, <laughs> you just say said they, they were bad. Now you're well. disappointed. They, yeah, no, no. Like, I'm, I'm surprised you haven't seen them because they're so like, they're so big. But yeah, they have not aged well. But Eugene, well, really... Eugene Levy's in them, and he's funny in them. You know. They're they're like the song. They represent the time they came out. They're nineties movies, yes. right? They're they very, feel very nineties uh, yeah, from like what that. I've seen of them. Mm-hmm. 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 
Uh, yeah. I like that. I like being able to look back at old dumb movies and think, yeah, this is what people wanted out of dumb movies at the time. <laughs> and I think the same the yeah. same is true of music. Absolutely. I, I, I'm thinking about um, this AJJ album that I've never heard, but that you, you told me about. <laughs> and um, it's really interesting how it's almost like prophesized 2020. You know, not not to say that, like, you know, it's like a literal the album wasn't a literal prediction. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm I'm just I'm thinking about, you know, the like the music that is like so directly about the time. And like I like I mentioned, there is literally a category of music that is quarantine songs or like lockdown music, like the lockdown right, yeah. blues. And that's crazy to me, um, you know. The, the pandemic is really making uh, COVID-19 and just like the state of the world right now is like making people wrestle with our culture, like how American culture is and whether it is it is right the way that it is or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and then the anthems follows are following suit, you know, not, not even just the COVID songs. Well, what do you mean that anthems are following suit? Well, I think there's two kind of phenomenon types of phenomena that happen with anthems and like how they come about and one of one of those ways is that the culture follows the anthem and that As the anthem to, yeah the anthem following the culture um and I, i'm thinking also about like some not just explicitly quarantine music but like a song like wap and how like the impact on the culture that that song has like has made although that, i guess and that, which, that can so do you be think contested yeah do you think that's culture following the anthem or the anthem following culture um i think that would be an example of culture following the anthem maybe um well, what do you yeah, think that's a good point no i think that's a really good way to uh put it uh it's a song that's anthemic because it came out and everyone uh resonated with it or everyone you know like loved listening to it wanted to hear more of it it spoke to to these these feelings of you know sexual liberation that mm-hmm. people were wanting to talk about, especially with everyone or not everyone, but a, a huge amount of people no longer able to uh, go out on weekends. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, and speaking of this, like these two cases where the the culture can follow the anthem and the anthem follows the culture, I think in many ways it's not two separate occurrences i think i i think of it as like a uh a two-headed beast chasing like the um chasing the t- its tail an ouroboros yeah yeah an or- ouroboros exactly its yes tail, yeah 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 snake eating its tail that's exactly like it, it it is both you know um especially with like sexual liberation and you know uh, um just the state of like the world moving moving in that direction wap was bound to happen but also now that WAP has happened, it is furthering that that element of the opening a door explicitly. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I totally agree with that. I think I mean, not to, you know, harp on about the, the 60s, but I do think that there's a good comparison to be made here from my point of view about about mm-hmm. uh, American Pie and uh, Bob Dylan's Like a Rolling Stone. Yes. I think. Yes. Uh, especially since Like a Rolling Stone came out, uh, five or, I think five, I think it might have been five, might have been six, five or six years before 
American Pie, it felt like Like a Rolling Stone was the first kind of warning signal, in a sense, of the culture that was to come. Mm. And American Pie was this grand thesis that described what was happening. So Don McLean felt like uh, he was creating an anthem to describe the culture mm-hmm. that had been produced as a result of, not as a direct result, but that had been sort of created as a result of artists and movements like uh, Bob Dylan with like a Rolling Stone. Right, right. The sort right. of like directionless frustration with the Vietnam War that everyone was feeling, mm-hmm. this uh, this concept of not really knowing what America's goal was going to be in the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that that goes on further into, you know, punk and grunge and other genres that come in the in the 80s and the 90s and stick right. around even through like the Bush administration. Yeah, I'm thinking of, of these songs as like, if we're we're in this this loop where on one one end of the circle is cause and the other end is the effect, like where these songs fit in in the cycle, mm. you know, because yeah. it, like it's this never ending loop um, that slowly starts to change the state of things, the world at large. Yeah, I do think I do think there's something uh, to be said about the the power music has to uh, change people's minds about thing. I mean about things. I mean I mentioned that. Uh, in listening to AJJ that I guess it's a little backward, but the way that he he sings about his hopelessness and his defeatism uh, made me feel more hopeful. Mm. Uh, And I think that, I think that that kind of anthemic response is sort of in between cause and effect. You know, it's, it's music that can actually stir people to action. And I really like that. Uh, I love, I love music that feels like it's, it's representing uh, the the era it's coming from, but also yes, uh, is is a signpost for the music to come. Exactly. Um, I'm I'm thinking a lot about. Um, well, there is a specific album I'm thinking about in that sense. <laughs> yeah, that, that, yeah. No, I'm thinking of that 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 phenomenon, um, and it's almost like again with the uh, you know you AJJ spoke to you the same way that it's like reflective of the, the the greater times and like i'm i'm wondering about that question on how we choose our anthems and how anthems choose us in terms of like how it reflects and impacts the culture uh and that 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 leads me to you know the album that we were talking about right before this episode which is um, let's talk about vamp anthem whole lot of red yeah playboy <laughs> cardi oh my goodness can you imagine just a bunch of uh if we were in middle school a bunch of sixth graders shooping in the gym to vamp anthem <laughs> treating it with the same uh, reverence as dynamite that is the future we live in guys get hyped or get scared i mean we're we're really living in this uh this super exciting age of uh, I don't know, this sort of hyper-digital SoundCloud uh, rap yeah, really yeah. finally breaking through to the mainstream. I think in part because of uh, genres like hyperpop that have really allowed oh, yeah. it to uh, flourish. Uh, and like 100, the, 100 the Gex. Accessibility. Yeah, I mean, 100 Gex, but also like predecessors, like uh, you got PC Music and, you know, uh, Sophie. Uh, oh, oh, Breast other, Peace. Just, yeah. Just to just to make it a little more timely, but yeah, uh, uh, just these these artists I think really led the way uh, mm-hmm. for something like 
a whole lot of red, which feels like this uh, this sort of subgenre of rap's first foray uh, into the mainstream. And I think right. that it's only going to grow from here. Well, speaking about whole lot of red, like, let's take a look at it. Uh, I know that I, I, I maybe I speak for myself and like what I've seen in the immediate time surrounding the release of that album is that a lot of people hated it. I thought it was great. I, I really liked it. Um, and I, I see that exciting potential in that album as ushering in this new wave of, of music that feels important and feels like it speaks to a generation. But I, some people are really reluctant to embrace that. You know, it, 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 it's a very jarring album in that sense. You know, Pe- people might not like the, the image in the mirror that it is that it is portraying about about us and our uh, and our and our and the culture. Uh, well, and that's what I think makes it feel so anthemic. I mean, I think it's really comparable to uh, Nirvana, just sort of this uh, thrashing reaction to the world we live in, mm-hmm. and uh, one that's not uh, received excellently by everyone around. Oh yeah, um, I was I was thinking about you know like. Something that's interesting about Whole Lot of Red too is that I don't think that it has that universal reach the way that Nirvana has, even if what it's totally. speaking like, or at least it hasn't had that universal reach because there's been this backlash to it. It hasn't been so widely embraced, but um, there aren't any, there isn't any one song on Whole Lot of Red that I think is specifically an an anthem uh, as much as i would love for you know kids to be shooping to vamp anthem um when that is possible again um i think it's more so the album is just a signal for the anthems to come i mean yeah like grunge didn't start with uh nirvana but nirvana was the you know the popular peak of the genre. And I think Mm -hmm. in a few years or even sooner than that, fingers crossed, we'll see something similar to this. Right. Right. That whole lot of red is, is comparable to like a rolling stone in that it feels like it's representative of the time. The time just doesn't realize it yet. So metamorphosis is that kind of thing that, that, that maybe that's the closest the album has to like embracing, uh, embracing this change. Yeah, no, I mean, I think there are a lot of there are a lot of songs on the album that are about um, change of some mm-hmm, sort. Mm-hmm. I mean, Metamorphosis is an obvious one, but there are just I don't know. There's uh there 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 are a lot of references to uh, different uh, forms, I guess, that Playboy Cardi takes different avatars. I guess is probably a better way to put it. Right. To make it a little more uh, digital, a little more online friendly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he references uh, he references MF Doom on the album, which is wild considering it came out less than a week before uh, MF Doom died, or it was yeah. announced. When that was that was that announcement in 2020, or was it that the like the second day of 2021? That was announcement. That announcement was uh, the last day of 2020. Yeah, that was, was December 31st. That was so sad. Oh my goodness. But but MF Doom was an artist who is known for taking on these aliases and these avatars for wearing these mm-hmm. masks. Yeah. Uh, and I think that that kind of, that kind of approach, that sort of shrouding of reality as it were is really, uh, 
how this kind of anthem feels to me. Uh, this, this, uh, this hidden facade that sits in front of us that we don't really want to accept as mm-hmm. it is because it's, it's, it's not the way we want things to be going necessarily, but it's, I think, a really true reflection of how things uh, are. This, the new generation of the virtual self, the virtual rambling. self that is, and it, it, yeah, it is, it isn't self. us quite literally, but it is us. No, exactly. I mean, it's it's definitely not us quite yeah, literally. Yeah, we're we're not we're not rock star made. No, no, but yeah. But I think I think there's a lot of uh, really interesting stuff, deliberately or not, that uh, is done in a whole lot of red. That I don't know. I think addresses digital uh, internet culture, which seems to more and more be where the culture is. Period. Yes, I I, w- I would agree. There's some growing pains that we as a generation haven't quite gotten a handle on as, you know, as we've moved into this digital generation. Yeah. And I think the album is reflective of that. Like, recklessly so, you know? Yeah, of course. It's like taking a a deep spiral into chaos like that. No, I mean, that's that's something And it it has, it has, has a great time doing it. Uh, yeah, it's it's so kooky and fun and just crazy. Because music lately does feel, I mean, I just going back to 100 Gex, does feel like uh, chaos is taking center stage. Uh, and I love that. I think mm-hmm, it's emblematic mm-hmm. of the time we live in because once everyone has the internet, you have a lot of different things happening all at once. I mean, think of how ridiculous a Twitter feed can get in the course of a single day. Yeah, that's what chaos looks like. And I think that uh, you know the, these new waves are here to show us that that's not that's not some terrible thing. Like chaos isn't the antidote or the uh, not an- antidote uh, the antonym, I guess, of of goodness. It that mm. we can have it. Uh, in conjunction with these new, uh, really interesting, cool concepts that are coming up in music. Fully agree. Fully agree. And I, and I think that's a that's what makes an anthem something that, <laughs> going back to to what we what we're trying to talk about. I think it's something that reflects the time, and that people understand to reflect the time. And I think with something chaotic, for a chaotic time, whole lot of red is exactly what we it, want it it's it's what we are whether we want it or not <laughs> that's a that's a really good way this this is it this is it playboy cardi is holding a mirror up to society it is what it is so those are some thoughts and feelings about anthems like them or not they help show us who we are but now it's your turn tell us about your personal anthems or your generational ones or tell us about why you hate Whole Lot of Red. Or why you love WAP. I'm Crew. And I'm Vincent. I think I might dye my hair red. We'll see you next time.